hey, this is Mike Birbiglia, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder, which is one of the better tape recorders. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder, and welcome to another installment of the history of synth pop. We are up to episode 11, into the 90s we go, and it's kind of a tough time for synth pop, because what has happened is synths have kind of gotten absorbed into just generic, uh, commercial, chart-friendly pop music, and so they're not seen as avant-garde instruments, they're used very much by uh, people making dance music and things like that, so it's not as... uh, innovative and exciting as it was in the early and mid 80s and even you know late 70s and even before that now the first group we're going to play here though are a couple of guys who come in at the end of kind of like that 70s 80s wave and kind of go into the 90s even though what they're doing won't be hugely commercially successful they still have some success that of course is the pet shop boys and i've told the story uh, a couple of times now on different episodes of the podcast uh, there's a fantastic documentary on the bbc uh you can find it is someone put it on youtube and then bbc made him take it down but it's called uh, the history of what's it called since britannia i'm sorry History of Synth Pop, is this <laughs> Synth Britannia, if you can find, there's clips of it that are still on YouTube, but if you, the whole thing isn't, uh, I managed to record it off of YouTube before they d- deleted it. Anyway, uh, it's fantastic, except for the very end. And uh, pref- before I say this, I should tell you, I love the Pet Shop Boys. My wife and I drove to Chicago to see them a couple of years ago, so I've always loved the Pet Shop Boys. So this is not a slight of the Pet Shop Boys, it's a slight of the producers of Synth Britannia, who did a brilliant job, except for, uh, there's a a uh, British music journalist you might know named Simon Reynolds, and he comments throughout the uh, the program, in addition to them interviewing, you know, Andy McCluskey and uh, and Martin Ware from Heaven 17 and Phil Oakey and all those people. So anyway, they get to the 80s, and uh, the narrator says, oh, well, by, by the 80s, there were too much, too much synths in the in the charts. And Simon Reynolds starts to say, oh, yeah, yes, we're good, we're good, we're good everywhere. And I guess it's Simon, Simon Reynolds' fault, but... As Simon Reynolds is talking, as an example of too much synthesizers, they show Howard Jones and uh, Thompson Twins. Uh, the clip is from, I think, New Song, Howard Jones' video, and We Are Detective, uh, the Thompson Twins video, which is on. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You you can't roll out Pet Shop Boys. They do and they, and, and extol their virtues. And, they're, and they appear and they get interviewed in this thing and say how great they are and then bash two guys that come before them. No, <laughs> especially Howard Jones and Tom Bailey, for Christ's sake. You can't do that. So that's my only beef with Synth Britannia. And I say it's not a slight of the Pet Shop Boys. Love the Pet Shop Boys. Weirdly, when they came out, West End Girls was the first big hit. I liked West End Girls just fine. And I go over this in the, their episode of PF's Third Favorite Band. But when I heard the rest of the album, uh, the album came out in 86. I went home for the summer from college to Pittsburgh. Uh, a new radio station had just started, and they didn't have a lot of stuff to play, apparently. They didn't know what to play. So in addition to playing West End Girls, they played every track on the Pet Shop Boys album. And I was like, I like every other track on this album a lot better than West End Girls. Tonight is Forever is, is fantastic. It wasn't even a single. So anyway... Um, as it goes, I guess they had a bunch of material. They could have released two albums at the same time, but they just kind of picked and choose what they had. This song here could have been on the first album, they say. Uh, to me, and my wife agrees, we don't agree much on uh, music. We agree on bands, we don't agree on songs. Uh, this is both our favorite Pet Shop Boys song, and this is It's a Sin. <laughs>
It's a sin from Pet Shop Boys. I remember uh, working in a band with my mate John, and uh, we when this album came out in 87, I guess it was, he had gone to the same college as me for a year, but then he transferred to Penn State. I was still Bowling Green. We'd meet up in Pittsburgh and write songs. And I was like, hey, you heard it's a sin? And he's like, yeah, that little dun-da-da-da, dun-da-da, that little hook right there. We're like, how do they do that? Ah, it was infuriating. It was so cool, so simple. And that's the stuff we could expire to do, those simple riffs that you put them all together in a song, and they're fantastic. So I think that's really, that distills the essence of the Pet Shop Boys for me. It's a sin. They go on to get more into kind of, they consider themselves more of a, a, a dance group anyway, a, a disco. They don't really consider themselves a synth-pop group per se. But uh, they will kind of lead the way into what takes over as far as uh, dance on the one hand and house music and things like that. And uh, then we have another, well, we'll get to this other uh, performer first, Cicero. I just want to play this song because it's fun. And he's mates with the Pet Shop Boys. He's a guy from Scotland, I believe, who grew up in New York. And uh, I he was on the soundtrack for, uh, what's this, the movie, Boy George, uh, uh, The Crying Game. And Pet Shop Boys produced it. It was called, uh, what was his song called? Um, I can't remember his song. His name is Cicero. And he had another tune called Love is Everywhere, which appears in a, a very nice Netflix series called Everything Sucks. It's about the 90s. little over the top. If you like the 90s, watch it. The pilot is a little rough in a way because it's not really indicative of where the show is going to go. In the second or third episode, it's brilliant. I think... It's interesting how this happened. The, they use these. They use two songs. They appear back to back. One finishes the episode because this guy makes a video for this girl he has a crush on. Then the the other song goes over the credits. The song over the credits is "Love Is Everywhere" by Cicero, which I'm going to play for you in a minute. Um, the Oasis tune, uh, the the big one. Uh, I can't. It escapes me. You think I would know it? All the, uh, but off the top of my head, it escapes me. They play the the big Oasis tune. He makes a video for her. The juxtaposition of Oasis versus Cicero, what really becomes the 90s and what kind of is fading out and not wanted in the 90s is a great juxtaposition, completely accidental. I think the producers just did it because they liked that song for the couple. And then the, so- the Cicero song foreshadows what's going to happen in the relationship. So it's really, really cool. And this is just a great tune. And this is Cicero with Love Is Everywhere. Love is everywhere from Cicero. You can kind of tell he's mixed up with Pet Shop Boys. But again, this is 1990, I think, three that he comes out with this. And people are not just having 
this kind of music anymore, uh, selectively a little bit here and there. What's happening besides dance and house music is we have what's called uh, industrial music, and it's uh, spearheaded by folks like Nine Inch Nails and Ministry and over in Europe, uh, Front 242. So we're going to hear from a couple of those folks right now. Nine Inch Nails, oddly, we won't hear from because I don't have any Nine Inch Nails in my iTunes, which is weird. I have the CDs in my basement here. But when I went to load them into my computer years and years and years ago, I was telling the story to somebody else on the podcast, I was limited for space. My computer didn't have infinite space on it like it does now. So I had to kind of pick and choose. And i got to be honest, Nine Inch Nails just never took with me. Uh, loved his work in Exotic Birds when Trent was with them and Nandy Kay and all them. But like Nine Inch Nails, eh, it's fine. But I've just never really been that much of a stan. But I will play you one of his buddies, a guy that was kind of his uh, mentor in a way who we heard a couple episodes ago when we did the U.S. synth-pop bands from the 80s, uh, one Alan Jorgensen and his band Ministry, who completely changed directions. And uh, not only are they a group that made synth-pop synth-pop in the 80s, they pioneered this industrial movement with probably their best-known track, even maybe better known than Revenge from their first album. Uh, this is a song called Stigmata. Stigmata from Ministry, that's kind of where everything goes with electronics and sampling and all that other stuff. It either goes, you're either making house music, dance music, or you're making this kind of stuff. If your name is Red Flag or Book of Love or any of the other groups or Cicero, uh, even the Pet Shop Boys struggle, you are not doing too well. And then over in Europe, I'm going to play you, um, this is a band called Front 242. They are from Belgium or the Netherlands. I always get the Benelux countries mixed up as far as who's from where. I think, I'm pretty sure these guys are Dutch, and they're pretty indicative of what's happening in Europe with this kind of music, and uh, I was going to play a song called Headhunter, but I'm going to play a song called Welcome in Paradise, which most people know as Hey Poor, and if you were around in the 80s, uh, late 80s, early 90s, you recognize this from dance clubs. It's a lot of fun, uses some sampling, and it's it's very, very indicative of uh, industrial music of the day. Here's Front 242. Hey Poor! Is here. Jesus is here. Yeah! 
242, I could play you loads of these kind of bands. Skinny Puppy from Canada, uh, a split second also from uh, Holland, and that's just where it, it's, it, you're doing one of these two things, or you're Oasis, or you're, you know, grunge from Seattle. That's pretty much the, all the four factions, I think, of music in the 90s. You get, sort of get a little of, what was that, uh, roots music. You get roots music with Blues Traveler and, and Gin Blossoms and people like that. I just, None of it really took with me. Uh, I kind of wandered in the desert there for the 90s, which is why the 90s probably is uh, one of my least favorite musical decades, along with the 70s. Although I like the 70s more than I thought I did, but yeah, the 90s was just kind of a bit of a desert. Um, the other track I was going to play for you, uh, well, I'm going to refer you to the usual suspects, uh, some of the usual suspects and what they're doing at this point. Um, Depeche Mode are able to kind of roll with the uh, grunge and produce a couple of good albums. Uh, after the hugely successful Violator, uh, they release another album which features this great track. Uh, and you can, it, it's still them, but it's grungy, and they really, I think they really found a way to move with the times, probably better than anybody else, or any of their peers, certainly. Uh, this is I Feel You from Depeche Mode. album songs of faith and devotion not as strong as violator but still real but still really really good excuse me my chair slipped uh it is a the whole album is very much like that a little bit, a bit of a grungier direction but still sounds like them alan wilder leaves the group uh he was with them since 1981 too and that's kind of where i fell off the depeche mode bandwagon weirdly i had a guy on the show years and years ago caleb bacon he's a fellow podcaster i forget what he actually does out in hollywood these days but um Discovered he was a Depeche Mode fan. I got him on the show, and weirdly, he's a Depeche Mode fan after this album. He's young, way younger than me. He's, I think he's 15, 20 years younger than me. So he was in Las Vegas being a kid, uh, a kid meaning in his 20s. And I think he saw Depeche Mode there or something like that and just became a fan. But his fandom starts after Alan Wilder left, which just blows my mind. And he, he likes the old stuff with Wilder and Vince Gargan and all that. But he's asked him what his favorite songs were. They were all post-Alan Wilder songs. It's just crazy. Orchestra Maneuvers in the Dark, of course, we have to mention them. Uh, they released a hugely successful album uh, called, again, Paul and Andy kind of have a parting of the ways. If you've listened to previous shows, you know that whole history. Uh, Andy on his own now, gets some other guys from Liverpool, carries on the OMD name, released an album called Sugar Tax. A lot of great tunes on that. But I think the reason it is successful as it is is because it's, it's more poppy than it is, uh, I guess, not experimental is the word I'm looking for, but isn't. 
it isn't as on the edge as some of the other albums might have been considered, but that's you know, the thing that people in the OMD camp never really understand, that the, the critics of these albums, we always have these discussions on the Facebook page, is yes, sonically they're not as uh, maybe interesting as Architecture Morality or Dazzle Ships or albums like that, but he, they, he still wrote good songs. And then when he got back together with Paul in the 2000s, they continue to write good songs. That's why they're still my favorite band along with the Beach Boys, because they're still doing really good work. And I was going to play a song that wasn't a single, should have been. Uh, a guy named Roger Erickson lives out in Utah. He actually is in the medical profession, but does remixes, and he's brilliant at them. Uh, he's a huge OMD fan, too. And someone mentioned on the page of the day, what's your favorite OMD song from the 90s? And he, oh, he said Speed of Light. And I'm like, I'm right there with you, man. So here you go, Speed of Light. from OMD from the Sugar Tax album and then uh, we get up to New Order New Order another group that kind of moves with the times because they kind of get a little less electronic-y and they release an album in 1993 uh, what the heck is the name of that album I can't remember but it has two big singles one of which is called Regret uh, later covered by the Get Up Kids in the 2000s and again it is it, still keyboardy you can hear the keyboards in it but they've kind of dialed them back a little bit from the like the True Faith era still got a great tune though uh, this song is called Regret
Regret from New Order, uh, still doing their thing, but uh, able to adjust gears a little bit and kind of stay, you know, this album does pretty well for them. And then I guess as they go into the 90s, they don't do as well. Uh, they released the song Crystal, of course, which the, where the Killers take their name from. It's uh, in the video, the band in the video for Crystal is called The Killers. The Killers take their name from that. And uh, New Order, of course, uh, the, the little descent in the camp, uh, you know, uh, Peter Hook goes off and does Peter Hook in the light because he's not, I guess apparently the bass is, his guitar uh, sounds are, or, or his bass sounds are mixed down gradually as New Order's career progresses and he finally got sick of it, uh, I guess in a nutshell. And that's why uh, he decided to leave. Which brings us finally to the only group in the 90s that I know of that was actually doing proper synth pop that started doing it in the 90s. This is a couple of brothers from Chicago. Their names escape me. Weirdly, when I was doing research for this episode, though, I discovered that just last week they released their second album. They had these tracks for a long, long time. Uh, they're called the Pulsars. Uh, the one brother went on to produce just tons and tons and tons of people. So that's one reason he didn't continue with the Pulsars. And people had no time for this nonsense, and you're going to hear in a second. It sounds very 1982-83. Uh, people had no time for this. So uh, they went off and did other things. They had uh, tracks recorded for a second album, and they just came out, I think, by a band camp just last week. They released a couple teasers uh, in the past couple of months. whole album came out the day before I was researching, or the day after I was researching all this. Crazy. Anyway, this is a really cool tune. It's called The Tunnel Song from Pulsars. Pulsar is the only proper 90s act, uh, well, the only, I would say, proper synth-pop band to, I guess, start actually start in the 90s. And there you have it. Nobody had any time for it. They were signed to the Alamo label, which was a subsidiary, I believe, of A&M, Herb Alpert's, uh, and Jerry Moss's label. I think they started Alamo after they sold A&M to one of the big uh, record companies. And Pulsars were on that label, and this went absolutely nowhere. Sadly, the whole album is great, recommended if you can find it. And uh, that wraps up the 90s. I'm not sure where we're going to go for the next episode. I'm going to have to think on that and kind of see. I mean, we'll get into the 2000s. Oh, I know what we're going to do next week. I already, I I do know. I I misspoke. We're going to do, if you can't beat them, join them. And a couple of, uh, we're going to find a couple of acts that kind of like, you know, decide to just change direction. Not necessarily with their bands, but the individual artist, Andy McCluskey, for example, uh, will we'll not beat him, but join him. And, and we'll, we'll get into more of that. Andy Kay uh, from Formerly of Exotic Birds. He will uh, decide to join him, and we'll get into more of that in the next episode. Song of the Week right now is from Wolf Alice. Uh, BBC Radio 1 loves Wolf Alice. 
they don't sell a lot of records. I don't know what the love affair is. I like them just fine, uh, but I think this is one of their best tunes ever. I was kind of surprised that this was them. And uh, they're in Freegal, so I download all their stuff all the time because, I mean, I like new stuff. But uh, this is a really good tune. It uh, doesn't sound very dissimilar from their other stuff. I think they've gotten to be better songwriters. And this is a song called Smile. It's our tune of the week on PF Tape Recorder. So long and thanks for listening. Call me king.